0: Good morning, Woodmont. Welcome to worship Uh, on this uh, Sunday, August the 16th. uh, Great to see you. Uh, I wanna quickly uh, just remind you that starting next Sunday, August the 23rd, in addition to the online service and the drive-in service, we are adding a socially distant uh, sanctuary service uh, here in the sanctuary. Um, You will make a reservation online and it's capped at uh, 80 reservations. Uh, There's a worship committee that's done all kinds of planning and safety protocols for this. So this will be another option for those that are comfortable. And we encourage those who are high risk to continue to worship online and at the drive-in service. Also, uh, this Wednesday night, uh, which is the 19th, Hunter Mobley and I are going to do a two-week series over the next two Wednesdays called the Enneagram covid and spiritual growth. Basically, we're gonna talk about the different personality types, uh, and this is gonna be live, uh, and how they are managing this extended pandemic. It was one thing when it was a couple of months, but now we're six months in, everybody is handling it differently. And we're gonna talk about spiritual growth and formation. Um, and how we can be spiritually grounded and disciplined during this time. So uh, join us. That's uh, this Wednesday night on Zoom at 630. We'll get the link uh, put up on the website. And Hunter and I would love uh, for you to join us. And then the last thing is I want to just say thank you again for your ongoing support of the church as we live through uh, these challenging times. Uh, Join me for a word of prayer if you would. Loving God, open our hearts and minds so we can hear a word from you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this summer we have been in a sermon series called Simply Jesus. And we are focusing exclusively on Jesus's core teachings uh, found in Luke's gospel. We've been staying in Luke's gospel. And um, basically we're asking the question, how can we get to know Jesus better? How can we use these teachings to challenge us, to inspire us, to change us? Um, And today we come to another famous parable uh, that we find in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son. Like the good Samaritan, Uh, This parable is very, very well known. Um, And somebody once said, there was a scholar that once said that, that, that parables should tease our mind into active thought. Meaning when we study the parables, even if we've known the story for many, many years, we should try to look for messages and details that maybe we haven't seen over the years in the parables. And so we revisit these parables and we're at different stages of life. We're going through a challenging time with the uh, coronavirus pandemic. And so when we study these parables, we should ask the question, what did we miss before? Um, what message is Jesus trying to send to us right now with this particular parable? And and you'll be surprised when you read the scripture uh, that you'll find new things and it will speak to you in new ways. And I think that's one of the amazing things about scripture, about the Bible, is that it will speak to us in different ways at different stages of our lives. So Jesus tells us that a man had two sons. The younger one comes to him and asks for his share of the inheritance early. And then he leaves for a distant country where he squanders all of his wealth with riotous living And uh, the Bible doesn't really tell us everything he did, but you can use your imagination. Um, The older son stayed home and remained faithful to the father and worked uh, for his father back at home. Well, one day, the younger son runs out of money. He finds himself with the job of feeding the pigs, which is actually a lower job than that of a servant. And it occurs to him, hey, I could go back to my father's land and I could work for him and that would be better than what I'm doing right now. And so that's what he does. He returns home, not quite sure how he will be received and much to his surprise, when he gets back home, his father welcomes him with open arms. He forgives him, puts a robe on him, puts a ring on his finger. He kills the fatted calf and he throws a big party to celebrate the prodigal's return. Well, the older son who is out working faithfully in the field, he hears what's going on and somebody comes out and he says, well, what's, what's, all, this, uh, what's all this noise coming from the house? And the, the, the person said, well, your brother has returned and your father has thrown a, a massive party for him. And so when he hears this, the brother becomes upset. And and the father comes out of the house and he tries to calm the older brother down. And and he says, you know, please come in and celebrate with us. But the brother says, no, I'm not gonna do that. Because for all these years, I've been working and slaving and working for you. And then this son of yours who went out and, and, and threw all of his money away, he comes back and you throw him a massive party. I don't understand. I really don't. Get it. The father says to him, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and we had to rejoice because this brother of yours was dead, but he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. There are different ways to study the parables. There are different ways to think about the parables, to to approach uh, the parables, and there are also different messages, multiple messages found in the parables of Jesus. But I like to think about this parable, the parable of the prodigal son, by thinking about the types of people that are represented by the three main characters of this parable. The prodigal son, the elder brother, and the father. Or... We could even think about this as the characters represent different versions of ourselves when we are behaving differently in certain times of life and at certain stages. Let's start with the prodigal, the one who asks for his inheritance early and then he goes and he blows all of his wealth in in a foreign land. He could represent the people in life who basically take life for granted. They have everything given to them. They're the people who feel entitled. They feel like the rules don't really apply. And then they break away from the community or the tradition or the family of which they have been a part. When Luke tells us that he left for a distant country, he is talking about a drastic cutting loose from the way of living, thinking, and acting that has been handed down to him from generation to generation as a sacred legacy. One of the best books on this parable is written by Henry Nouwen. And Henry Nouwen uh, went to see Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son that I believe hangs in St. Petersburg. And, and it's an amazing book if you want to dive deeper into this parable. But, but Nouwen is basically saying that more than disrespect, This is a betrayal of the treasured values of family and community. This was an unprecedented move that the younger son took when he asked for his inheritance early and then he left the family home to go to a distant country. It was offensive. It was a slap in the face to his father. I think the prodigal son represents anybody who makes a conscious decision to turn away from God to turn away from faith, uh, from the spiritual life. Perhaps it's out of selfish ambition and the belief that there's something that's better and more fulfilling out there. The belief that, that there's something other than God and faith that can fill that spiritual void that all of us have as human beings. He also might represent anybody who tries to distance themselves from their family or from their past perhaps because they're selfish or they're delusional and thinking that that life is always gonna be better somewhere else. But I've always loved that phrase, wherever you go, there you are. And many people in life try to run from their problems, but whenever they get to the new setting or the new context, they bring their problems with them and they find that they're still dealing with the exact same thing. Usually a decision to run away or to leave comes from anger, resentment, jealousy, revenge, lust, greed, and many other unhealthy factors. And usually when somebody does this, when they they leave a family or they, they disconnect themselves from their family, it causes a lot of pain and hurt among the other family members. The prodigal son could be any of us when we feel like we've had it. Uh, with with our marriages, with our families, with our jobs, with our relationships. And we think that if we just run away, if we just go somewhere else, then everything will be better. But this isn't the case. Many times we find that when we change locations or go to a different place or a new context, the grass is not always greener. And our problems follow us. And then we still deal with the same issues. And I think that the prodigal son in this parable found that out. Secondly, let's let's talk about the elder son. Who does the elder son represent here? He's the one who gets very angry and jealous when the prodigal returns and the father uh, throws a big party for his brother. What can we say about the elder son? Well, let's first set the context of when Jesus told this parable. He is responding to the ongoing criticism of the Pharisees and the religious leaders that he's welcoming and associating with sinners and outcasts. That's what they're saying about Jesus. Have you seen the people that he surrounds himself with? Have you seen the people that, that, that he hangs out with? And so we need to understand that. When we, when we study this parable. But I would say that the elder son represents Christians who think that their version of Christianity is right and everybody else is wrong. Or they think that their church is better and everybody else is not as good. They think that their understanding of scripture or their particular view is the only one and they kind of judge everybody else for having a, a, a different one. You see, the younger son goes to a distant country and he's lost in a distant country, but the older son stays at home and works for his dad and he actually becomes lost in his home. According to Henry Nouwen, his lostness is characterized by judgment and condemnation, anger and resentment, bitterness and jealousy, all of which is so pernicious and so damaging to the human heart. He is a proud, unkind and selfish person who has hidden his feelings for far too long. He's suppressed them, he's stuffed them down. And then all of a sudden, they come bursting out when his brother returns and a a party is thrown. And if we're honest, friends, sometimes we can live life like this. Sometimes we can be good people and we do what's asked of us, we do what's required of us, We can plug away and we can work hard and we can be responsible. But as we do it, we whine and we grumble and we complain about everything along the way. We suppress our feelings. And then when somebody else receives a blessing, when somebody else catches a break, we can't be happy for them because our heart is so full of of malice and and envy. And in a culture of, of competition, And resentment, there are many people who have a hard time being happy for others when something good goes their way. The older brother is indicative of the people who seem to never be able to experience joy in life because they think that somebody else always has it better. The older brother represents those who are blind to their blessings because they are so busy focusing on what they don't have that they can't stop and actually. Give thanks to God for what they do have. The older brother reminds us that that jealousy and resentment is probably the number one joy killer in life in this materialistic society in which we live. And, and he cannot understand why in the world his father would welcome his brother back into the family with such joy and thanksgiving. He doesn't get it. Lastly, let's let's talk about the father in this parable. Some people have argued over the years that this parable should be called the parable of the loving father rather than the parable of the prodigal son because the father is really the hero of this parable. And anybody who is a parent can understand how this father felt and where he was coming from. The father in this parable could represent God and God cares for both of his sons, for all of his children, the one who had left with the inheritance early and the one who stayed back home and was loyal. He's willing to forgive the sins of the past and welcome his son back with open arms. He's willing to look past the fact that at one point, his younger son wanted nothing to do with him. He asked for his inheritance and left for another, uh, another distant land, but he forgives him out of love and out of compassion. The God that we serve as Christians is a God of unconditional love. He's a God that gives us a second chance and a third chance and as many chances as we might need. And we should all be thankful for that because all of us mess up and all of us need new beginnings. He's the God of the lost the God of the faithful, the God of the resentful and the God of the loving, the God of the angry and the God of the merciful. We worship the God of the jealous and the God of the selfless. He's the God of those who love him in return and still the God of those who don't. The parable of the prodigal son holds many, many lessons. The grass is not always greener. You can't just run away from your family and from your problems. Don't overlook your blessings in life. Count them every day. Don't be filled with jealousy and resentment. Learn to forgive. Redemption is possible. But most of all, let's remember that we serve a God who always has his arms open to us no matter how many times we've gone astray. God is always ready to welcome us back. And God loves us for who we are, our faults, our shortcomings and all. But as this pandemic presses on, and I would say it's been going on a lot longer than uh, many of us thought it would, and it could be going on for some time. I think there are some other valuable lessons for families from the parable of the prodigal son. We're all stressed out, we're trying to balance life and work and homeschooling children and all the things that families are having to navigate right now. Every single family that I know and have ever known has baggage and dysfunction to some degree. Usually it's built around expectations, unmet expectations and disappointments. But when stress is high, like it is right now, it grows worse and some of that dysfunction can come out. Every family has rivalry and jealousy, tension. Every family has unique dynamics that create drama and resentment and heartache. And if you think that your family is the only one that has problems, I've said for years, I promise you, your family is not the only family with problems, every family has challenges that it must work through. So what are the family lessons that we can learn from the parable of the prodigal son? I'll leave you with three thoughts. The first lesson is that you can't run away from your problems in life. We don't know exactly why the younger son asked for his inheritance and took off. But we know that he was wrong. For whatever reason, he wasn't happy, but he failed to realize that He actually had a pretty good situation. You know, human beings are masters at being restless. And we often think that there's always a better life waiting somewhere else, that other people have it better, that that, that if only we had this or that, or we lived here or there, that life would be better. And then we fail to appreciate what we do have. And we think that there are greener pastures, but usually that's not true. And so gratitude in life is so important. It's a major theme in the Bible. It's something that we all have to live every day, not just at Thanksgiving time, but every day. Be grateful for the people and for the blessings that we have. A second lesson is understanding what envy, jealousy, and resentment can do to our souls. The older brother was full of of envy and jealousy and he was eating at him. He was so angry and he couldn't let it go. There was a wise person who once said that holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. Holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. It's not good for you. And so many times in life when we don't forgive and let something go, we're the ones that are suffering. Going through life with the mindset of the older brother is no way to live. Life's too short for that. Jesus says, pay attention to the condition of your heart. Pay attention to the condition of your soul, to your motives, because if that needs changing, then only you can change it. And lastly this morning, from the Father, we learn the importance of redemption, forgiveness, and unconditional love. And I've always believed that Christians are really, really good at talking about forgiveness, and we say that we believe in forgiveness and we think that forgiveness is important, but actually practicing forgiveness is much more challenging. In this parable, the father practiced it. He was so happy that his son was still alive and that he'd come back home. That's all he wanted to focus on. He didn't want to hold on to the past because the past will keep us captive. He wanted to live in the present because that's all we can control. We worship a God who forgives us and who redeems and who calls us to do the same with each other. We worship a God who is always waiting with open arms and saying to each and every one of us, come home, come back. I'm here for you, amen.